Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Let's go. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella and I'm joined today by Caroline Dooner. Hey Caroline, how are you? Hello, thank you for having me. Caroline, will you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure. This is a question I ask myself all of the time. Same. Who am I <laughs> and what do I do? Well, I describe myself as an author these days. My first book is called The Fuck It Diet. And it's it's all about healing our relationship with food. It's about why we're so messed up with food, why we all feel like food addicts, why we all feel so out of control with food. It was born out of my own misery with food, my own obsession with dieting, my own beliefs that I was a food addict. And then this crazy healing journey that I went on and all of these things I learned that I could not believe were like secret knowledge that like people don't know and don't talk about and don't understand the connection between restriction and guilt and binging and all of that. And then my second book just came out. It's called Tired as Fuck. It is a lot more memoir and storytelling than the first book. I would say The Fuck It Diet is like humor, self-help. It, like it's funny. Some people call it like anti-self-help, self-help. And then a second one is more ab about my relationship with food and dieting and self-help and wellness culture. And really, I just had, I, I call it being cult susceptible. Like I just can be, I can become so extreme about things. And that's what I, before I understood that that's what I was doing. I was doing that with everything from when I was a teenager up until pretty recently. So the second book is, a, is about burnout, but it's not just about physical burnout that so many of us do experience. It's about how that the mental and emotional pieces and kind of like the mode that we're operating in really feeds into the burnout and how important kind of turning all of that on its head and, and being aware of the way that we think about things, the way that we operate, how important that is both in becoming burnt out and in kind of clawing our way out of being burnt out. Well, listeners have been asking for me to get you on the air for three years, Ah, ever since the fuck it diet book came out. And I just think it's so kind of you to write these books specifically for me to perfectly align with my journey, <laughs> Caroline. You're so welcome. <laughs> very insightful. So a lot of you are very familiar with Caroline's work and the fuck it diet probably went like this side of viral for so many reasons, not the least of which the title, the branding totally hit the right note. <laughs> I swear, like it was 10 years ago that I was going through the artist's way, which is another big like piece of how I even started writing about this in the first place. But the artist's way is a book about creativity. And I was doing one of the exercises in it, which is the stream of consciousness writing. And it was when I had just, just started healing my relationship with food and researching and, and trying to get out of the cycle and eat more food and face my fears. And I was so stuck on so many beliefs about food and all this overthinking. And I was writing stream of conscious consciousness. And I was like, oh my God, fuck it. Like I just need to be on the fuck it diet. And I looked at that and I was like, that's, that's it. And I immediately, I bought the domain name, the fuck it diet. 
And then it turns out that I actually, it actually is that, but it like, it's like free marketing for me that the title people are like, I need, I need to be on the vodka diet, whatever that is. Whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whatever it is. I'll have what she's having. Part of the reason Caroline and I haven't talked before, quite honestly, Caroline, is because I honestly got to the point, you know, we've both been on this journey. I know from reading your work where we were super focused on what we called wellness and lifestyle. Really, it was about making sure our bodies looked exactly the way that they were supposed to, even though they never did something like mm-hmm, that, so just to, mm-hmm. just to encapsulate it. Right. Right. And then just be like, none of this is working. I'm going to try something radical. And frankly, like I got to the point Caroline, where I, d- I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Like I want to, mm-hmm. I want to just do other things and I'm never over caring about my physical body. Like that's not going to happen, but I'm so right. tired of even talking yes. about anti-diet now. Can you relate to that? Oh my God. This is like where, this is where I am specifically right now. But even for the past couple of years, it's really interesting because I've been doing this for 10 years, meaning I've been not dieting for 10 years. And I can say that like, even in the beginning, you know, after a couple of months, I noticed some really big shifts in my brain. Like my brain wasn't obsessed with food anymore. My brain wasn't fixating on food anymore. It was fixating now on my relationship with my body, which is the thing that I had to work through for the next couple of years. And like you said, like, I really believe that body image and the way we relate to our bodies, it's an ongoing thing. We're always going to have bodies We're it's especially hard to have a body in this culture. Like, I don't think it's realistic to be like, you're going to stop worrying about this and you're going to love your body hundred percent. You're going to be happy every day because of this like decision that you made. I think it's more complicated than that, but I think we can absolutely get to a place where it is not an obsession anymore. It is not our biggest priority anymore. And life opens up to us and that's what we want. But this interesting thing of like the healing process of getting out of dieting, it's very similar to healing from an eating disorder. It's just not as extreme. And it it's so all, you know, the dieting and the obsessing over it is so all encompassing. And then the healing can be so all encompassing for recovery. But the goal is to get to a place where you don't care anymore. And I have been in that place for years, but because it's my job and because I wrote this book, I've, I've had to like, keep talking about it, keep posting about it, keep trying to sell the book, which is all good and fine. But I just hit a wall recently where I was like, oh my God. I can't, I've said everything there is to say. I've, I've been saying it for so long. Like how long should I force myself to talk about this? And the answer is like, I'm ready to talk about other things. The, the good news and bad news is if you go through this process, you too will get to a place where you just don't want to think about food and body and weight anymore. And you want to focus on other things. And that's good for everyone, except for me. <laughs> You know, we want to live our lives and focus on the millions of other things that we've been kind of ignoring because we were so focused on our weight. Well, and thus your second book, Tired as Fuck, enters the picture. (laughs) Uh I may be calling it Tired AF going forward. (laughs) All good. That's what I call it too. It's easier. Tired AF is about burnout and you taking a break and you opting out of the madness after years of running yourself into the ground. And what I like about it and what it will afford us the opportunity to do now, Caroline, is to expand beyond the track you were on with the fuck it diet and open up this conversation and be tired of more than just dieting. (laughs) Exactly. 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 You know, five or six years ago, I really genuinely, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I am Mm -hmm. so 
tired. I am so burnt out. I cannot even like muster the energy to care about anything that I have scheduled for the next month. I, I'm just like, I feel dread looking at my schedule. I'm just like, I'm not having a good time. My initial response to that was what's wrong with me. How can I push through? How can I like hack this? What self-help book do I need to buy? Like, what do I need to do to just push through? And I really was forcing myself to live this life that I thought that I had to live. I did not fully realize until the moment where I really genuinely hit a wall. My immune system was all messed up. I was getting sick all of the time. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good physically. I didn't feel good mentally. I didn't realize that parallel. Like I had just revolutionized my life when it came to my relationship with food. And I had these couple years of like, just being on a high and like being so happy to be able to enjoy my life again. And really just like focus on the life that I didn't let myself live for such a long time. But then I hit this wall again. And of course, the first thing I thought was, oh no, like, is this because I'm not on a diet? I pretty quickly came to no, that's not the case. I am burnt out. And I didn't realize that this parallel between how I was relating to diets and the kind of obsession and the the beliefs, it was so much about like unlearning these cultural beliefs about food and weight and health and worth, how helpful that was for me. But how many beliefs I still had about everything else in my life, all the ways I was still talking to myself and being such an asshole to myself and being so hard on myself and having all of these like qualifiers for when I'm allowed to feel good or when I'm allowed to feel proud of myself or when I'm allowed to relax in a million different ways with career and personal life and all of this stuff. I was running myself down and it was this nonstop dialogue, this background nonstop guilt that I wasn't doing life right. And that honestly had the ability to sap my energy. And I just had this, another epiphany, like I call the fuck it diet moment when I realized that I needed to step out of the cycle and epiphany. I had another one with rest and burnout and productivity. And I was like, okay, can I do a similarly radical healing period with the way I relate to everything like I did with the fuck it diet five years ago? And so I decided to go on what I called two years of rest. And most people who hear that, they're like, must be nice to be able to like not work for two years. And it's like, no, no, I was working. I just took stock of everything and I got rid of everything that I could get rid of. I did an overhaul on my entire life. For example, I lived in New York at the time and I had had this belief that I had to stay in New York. In that moment, I was like, I am making my life so much harder. Like I I'm ready. I've lived in New York for 10 years. It is time for me to have an easier life. And also if I want to be able to do less and say no to more things, why don't I move to a place that's more affordable so I can actually do that? So that was like one of the big things. It was like one of the big symbolic things of like, you are allowed to be less impressive and make your life easier. You're allowed to do that. And then so much, I'm sorry, I'm going on, but so much of those two years was me actually working through the guilt that came up when I said no to things. I wanted to be really intentional about, be really deliberate about, and get out of that cycle again. Stop, like, be really aware. How am I actually talking to myself? 
Getting curious and being willing to question your assumptions is such an enormous part of growth. And it's so hard because we spend so much of our time beating ourselves up for how we feel that we forget to stop and question why we feel like that in the first place. Yes. What I think is so great about your evolution, if I may be so bold, <laughs> is that you have connected the dots here when you say that, you know, busyness, work workaholism, mm -hmm. um, perfectionism, whatever you want to call it, are not so distant relatives of disordered eating, weight obsession through micromanaging and engaging in compulsive activities. And it feels like tired as fuck is bridging the gap between those two things or connecting the dots between mm -hmm. those two things. And the story of your journey where you start questioning everything. What I want to ask you about is once you kind of got there, it feels a little bit like the veil came off for you. And I want to talk to you about the state of the world that you dealt with and then what life looks like after. But you mm. say, we work hard and then we work hard making it not look hard. <laughs> like, isn't that like being a woman yes, in the yes, world today? <laughs> it is. It is. Like we all have this awareness that we want it to look effortless, but there's so much effort in that usually, you know, here's the other parallel. And, you know, for anyone who doesn't know what the fuck a diet is, you know, there's this restriction piece, right? There's the actual physical restriction that will wa actually wire your brain to fixate on food. Like it's this biological survival response that we don't realize we're like accidentally putting ourselves in, you know, we're, we're kind of like doing it to ourselves. But then there's the mental part. There's the actual, the, again, it's back to this beliefs thing. It's back to this, like, if you have all of these beliefs about how you shouldn't be eating this, or you should be eating that, or all of this, that affects our bodies. It affects our appetite. It affects, it affects so much. So it's this thing where like a lot of people will say, well, I've been allowing myself to eat for months, but I'm still feeling so stressed around food. I'm still feeling quote unquote addicted to food. And for most people, the missing, the missing piece in, in the healing process is, well, what's going on in your mind? Like, what are your beliefs? How stressed are you to be actually allowed? Like there's, you can allow yourself physically, but if you're not allowing yourself mentally, you're going to stay stuck. And that was the exact same thing with every, with, with all of the exhaustion. It was okay. We're quote unquote, taking time off. We're taking a week vacation, but are we letting ourselves relax? Are we, what is going on in our psyche? No. In fact, the two things we feel the most guilty about if we're programmed similarly is you spend decades feeling guilty about what you're eating. And then you spend decades apparently feeling guilty for resting. Right. No, really. It's this crazy thing where, you know, and people talk about this, right? The culture that we're in is like, oh, you work really, really, really hard. And then when you're 65, you can start enjoying life. And it's like, okay, but what if I die at 64? <laughs> Or the, the other phenomenon, and I think this is pretty consistent and it's very, very human to do this, but it really like it will hijack our lives is this belief that, well, we're not there yet, but once we look like this or get this promotion or finally get that house or finally meet our soulmate or finally, whatever, whatever we believe. And it's some, it's often cultural. We think, oh, when I get there, whether it's in six months or two years or 10 years or whatever, then I'll relax then I'll be nice to myself. Then I'll finally enjoy life. Like, I will just see, I'm, I'm not there yet. I don't deserve it yet. I, you know, I, I can't possibly relax because then my whole life will fall apart. But when I'm there, then I'll relax. But we never, ever, ever do. 
never. We're stuck in the mode of, well, okay, well, I did it. Yeah, okay, I did it. But like, <laughs> I talk about this all the time, but I still do it. Looking at my career, when the Fuck It Diet came out, I had, <laughs> I write about this in the Fuck It Diet, but I still, I had this belief, this unchecked belief that when my book came out and I was a published author, everything was going to change. <laughs> my life was going to be more magical, different. Somehow I was going to feel like a totally different person. Everything was completely the same. Everything was exactly the same because I work from home. I am in charge of my own life. I would have to be the one to change things if that's what I wanted. And I was immediately like stressed and, and it took me a little, little bit to, you know, put it together and be like, oh my God, I'm doing, I'm doing it. I'm doing the very thing that I talk about. It, I really had to like realize what I was doing in my own brain and how that was affecting my day-to-day -day life because I was like living with this disappointment that didn't need to be there. It was all based on these expectations in my brain about what my life was supposed to be like. Yeah. Anyone who's ever accomplished a goal can relate to what you're saying because that was supposed to fix everything. Whether your goal was marrying the love of your life or getting that job or earning a certain amount of money, anyone who has crossed off a big goal on their list has then turned around and said, why do I still feel this way? <laughs> yes. And it's partially because being a human is hard. That's just the way it is. And we're stuck with these monkey brains that are cruel to us. And we have to constantly be aware of it if we don't want to kind of like spin into that, you know, the, the dark side of humanity and the, you know, unfortunate stuck identified with your brain part. But the other part is like, if we can, ex if we can remember this, which is like where I am right now, like, remember, please just remember if we can remember that, you know, life can get better. It really can. Like my relationship with food and so many other things is so much better than it was, but there is always, always something else. There's always something else. We're never, we're never going to reach that place where like everything is perfect and we don't want growth. We don't have goals. That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it. That doesn't mean that we can't change the way we talk to ourselves and actually do whatever we can to have, you know, it's like what people talk about presence, right? And for so long, I was like, what the heck does that even mean? Like, what do you mean presence? But it means like actually being able to enjoy what is, mm. what is happening to, you know, it's, and it's the same idea with gratitude. Like gratitude can go into the toxic positivity land where it's like, Ew, everything's, everything happens to everything, everything, you know, be happy about everything that that's not helpful, right? That what happens then is you start denying pain and you suppress emotions and you don't understand why you're so miserable. If you're like saying your mantras or whatever, true gratitude, like true being able to say, look, this, this is the stuff in my life. That's really hard right now. This is the stuff that I want to try and figure out, but this is the stuff that's really great. And that, you know, if I can remember, like, it may not be this way in a year or two or three. And can I enjoy the good that's happening right now? Most of us don't, <laughs> most, most of us don't remember to. No, everything is a finish line, right? And yeah. then you wonder why when you cross the finish line, you feel like the same person who was two miles back. Right. Because life isn't a linear race. It would be very easy for me to sound cheesy and tropey here, but we really do keep thinking that, oh, once I get over that mountain, I'm changing metaphors. Once we get over that mountain, <laughs> but guess what's on the other side of every mountain? Another freaking mountain. And you, <laughs> and you, the same, same person. You. <laughs> looking up at that mountain. Maybe, you know, more, maybe you're a little kinder to yourself. Maybe you figured out something, maybe you figured out that mountain behind you, but there's another one and it's, it's you all over again.
Well, I'm, I'm visual, but I can't draw worth a damn. So I can't ever really express this in the, the way that I want to, but I think of life instead of that linear path, you know, over the mountains, over the hurdles, however you want to think about it. I think of it as picture a spiral and we are iterating over and over and over again. And the best kind of life you can hope for is one where you're traveling up the spiral. So you're Mm -hmm. iterating and iterating and iterating, but somehow you're moving up that spiral so that you're not actually going in circles. One day, one day I'll be able to write about that the way that I want to, (laughs) or I'll just give it to you and you do it. (laughs) No, that's the truth because we do have to learn the same lessons over and over again. I mean, like, just like what I was talking about, I wrote about it in my book and then I was expecting the book to somehow make me feel like a different person. That's why awareness is so important because we're going to learn and then we're going to forget and we're going to have to learn again. But that doesn't mean that life won't get better. It just means that this is life. Like this is what we're doing. I need to remind myself of that constantly when I'm like, why is my life so hard? It's like, well, that's like alive. Exactly. That is life. It's life. But can I focus on the good? And can I be nice to myself? And can I relax? And can I eat really good food? And can I take stock of what's important to me and prioritize that in my life? Hopefully. Yes. Caroline, when you look back at you 10 years ago, you were further down the spiral. Oh yeah. So sometimes we take five steps backwards, but we don't plummet. We just take five steps backwards. We're still higher, if you will, than we were five years ago, 10 years ago. What I find so deliciously ironic about your story is you're so honest about the fact that basically, I don't want to speak for you, but you took all of the obsession and the fixation and the caring and the focus that you had on diets and managing your physical appearance and all of those things. And you essentially turned them to positivity Mm -hmm. and the magical cure of self-help and the miraculous healing that should spring forth if you just did A, B, and C. Can you share a little bit about what that experience was like? Yes. Well, because really what it is, is magical thinking. It's like, well, if I just follow the rules and it's very prevalent in our culture, but if I just follow the rules and do life perfectly and do it, you know, then everything's going to fall into place. I wanted spontaneous, miraculous healing. And I just needed to find the method for spontaneous miraculous healing. Like it was out there. I just had to find it. And it's, it's cult mentality, right? It's you're told like, Oh, you just have to do these things. And then we're all going to transcend, you know? And then when these horrible things are happening in the cult, like I'm thinking specifically of the cult Nexium that just kind of like was broken up, but it was a lot of toxic positivity of like, well, if you experience negative emotions, it's because you didn't do the work on yourself. So everything was then blamed on you. But then every bad thing that happened, they were able to say, oh, that's just because you haven't figured it out yet. So that was very similar to like when I would experience these horrible health symptoms because I was doing these extreme diets, I was able to tell myself, oh, this is just the detox. Like this is my body working. Like this is the diet working. And I just need to like commit even more to it. And then like, I'll, you know, finally be 100% healed. But what you were saying was I did not realize that I transferred that magical thinking over to first, it was the secret. So again, it was this promise of if you just think perfectly, if you never have a negative thought, if you never put any attention in a negative direction, what the belief is like, whatever you put out there is going to come back to you. So I then just like with diets, I became petrified of negative thoughts. 
and petrified of like attracting negative things to me. And like, and again, it's this crazy thing of like, well, okay, there's something to that. Yes. You can breed positivity by, you know, focusing on genuine gratitude, not like forced toxic positivity gratitude. And yes, we can kind of breed more experiences of negativity if that's what we're focused on. But this was like taking it to the the extreme of like, you can control everything and everything that happens to you is your fault. That was the big thing. Every bad thing that happens to you is because you have attracted it to yourself. So I was just like living in this constant state of like terror. Honestly, it was crazy of terror, ironically. And then I would feel stressed about that because I had to think positive thoughts. And that's what we find too, with any, like any sort of addiction, if you don't deal with what you're trying to numb, and what you're trying to distract from, you will cut out alcohol and immediately replace it with something else. That is what we do. That is what we do if we don't have the support and awareness to actually deal with the, dy- the emotional dynamic underneath everything. And that's what I was doing until I woke up, but I woke up in stages. Like, right. I had this awakening about my relationship with food. And I did this radical healing journey with my relationship with food, which then led to a couple of years later being like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> I have to do it with so many other things, but it was this gradual process of having more awareness and having more compassion towards myself. And I believe that the gradual journey is usually the one that sticks. This is why I think this conversation is so important is because this isn't about food. This isn't about no longer trying to hack the way that you look. This isn't about anti-self-help messages. This is about recognizing that the journey that we're on is one of awareness, then accountability, then like applying what you learned. Right. And then Mm -hmm. getting punched in the face and then starting (laughs) over again with awareness. Yeah. You know, what is happening? Accountability. How am I contributing to this? Mm -hmm. And then again, application of what you just learned and Mm -hmm. you iterate and you iterate and it's never over. It's never over because the lessons keep coming in different outfits. Completely. And what's so interesting is like, my two years of rest was meant to be a break from self-improvement. But the irony there was like, this was what I needed for self-improvement. This is what I needed for my mental health at the time. I could not take one more. Oh my gosh. My nose is so filled with, sorry, just getting over a cold. I like, couldn't stop it anymore. I could not take one more self-help book, one more methodology. What I needed for self-help was to stop. Like that is what I needed until that ran its course. And I was like, oh my gosh, now I have energy to like, keep on going, you know? So it was like a pause from self-help, but it was self-help. I wanted to wrap up with your own words about self-help on this subject, because this just cracked me up and I found it so relatable. You said, I wanted a magical cure, just like with diet, this was transferred into self-help. I wanted a magical cure. And it just so happens that extreme diets and extreme spiritual self-help ideologies were the things that were promising what I wanted, miraculous healing. I figured if I healed on a spiritual level, then everything would work itself out. Just like the secret said, once I heal my spiritual issues, not only will I be too spiritual to be upset about things, but I'll also be hot. (laughs) It's true. That's what I wanted. I wanted my deep spirituality to make me extremely beautiful. That was my goal. <laughs> I, and I was promised. I was promised that. 
I was. That was like <laughs> my belief, really. All right, let's talk about where this journey led you. You have referenced that you took two years of rest and you've also defined, you weren't sitting around on your sofa for two years. That's that we understand that. What you articulate so well, Caroline, is you, you point out that, you know, we celebrate exhaustion and then we condemn rest as rather self-indulgent. And even if the rest of the world isn't, we think the rest of the world is, or right. it's, we totally internalize it where we don't think we deserve rest and we feel guilty for feeling tired or wanting to do less. And so then we never do. And then we get stressed out and that, that cycle is not rest. So what did rest mean to you? You've touched on it, but can you share what your definition became? Yeah. My definition became truly mentally and emotionally allowing rest. Uh, that's what I wasn't doing before. I was going through the motions. I was like, okay, I'm going to take a weekend off. But I was I was feeling guilty about it the whole time. I was thinking about all the things that I should be doing. Well, I shouldn't really be doing this. And maybe I should, maybe I actually don't deserve to take rest now. Maybe I should just take a rest in two weeks. Like it was just nonstop. So what it became for me was when I identify the things that I want to take a break from, or that I don't have energy for, or that I don't feel like doing, and I don't have to do. And I say no to them and I have free time. What then do I start to feel guilty about it? What do I start saying to myself about it? And then why, <laughs> what beliefs are under that, that are, that are having me stay in this cycle. And it really became about allowing rest and getting through the crap that was making me feel so guilty about it and having this constant awareness. It was really like, oh my God, I feel guilty. I feel stressed. There's a reason. And it's usually arbitrary and made up like completely. And so I knew that I couldn't just snap my fingers and like become this relaxed person. Like I wasn't going to start being relaxed or, or even knowing how to rest on day one of my quote unquote, two years of rest. It was really about getting out of my own way and allowing, again, it, just like we, we said, it wasn't me lying around nonstop. I was working. I was, I was trying to navigate, how do I bring more rest and a more restful and, and a kinder way of relating to myself and a more restful approach to my real life, to this life where I live in a city where I'm, I wrote the fuck it diet during my two years of rest. I, I, you know, I was, I, I did a lot actually, but I also was very intentional about saying no to the things that I could say no to. You, you could argue that you took, you spent two years waking up. And what I mean mm, by that is yeah. you stopped operating on autopilot and letting your brain fall into its very deeply ingrained neural pathways. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to obsess about this. I'm now going to work on being becoming a super restful person. Instead, <laughs> it's almost like you became more conscious and more intentional about what you wanted to say yes to. And that's the amazing thing. I mean, it sounds so cliche. When I started saying no to things, I, I really feel like it created this like vacuum in my life where I had the space and I had the time and I had the energy. I had this awareness that I was making room for the things that I did want to do. There's also like a scarcity mentality that is very understandable, but it's like, well, if I say no to this, or if I, if I'm doing less, or if I clear my schedule, like, what am I, who am I, you know? And a lot of it for me was like, if I say no to that work opportunity or like these parts of my business that I don't actually enjoy, will I, will anyone ever ask me to do anything again? Like, yeah. is this the last chance that I have to say yes to something? I had to get comfortable with less 
in order to make space, this is kind of a woo-woo concept, but it, it worked. I had to make space for the things that I, I did want to do. And I didn't really know what those things were yet. For some people, this conversation will probably be coming a little bit too early for them. I think that this message is for everyone who is busy in some way, productive in many ways, full life, you know, lots going on, but hasn't stopped for 10 minutes to get curious about whether they're even enjoying themselves, what they actually do enjoy. Is this where I want to be? And this isn't about stopping and taking bubble baths and putting on an eye mask, which fine, good for you. If you do, that's not right. Right. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) I'm not bubble bath shaming Caroline, (laughs) but rather is this the life that you want? Are you on the right path or are you on a path because you closed your eyes five, 10, 15 years ago, and now you're just putting one foot in front of the other. Exactly. I would argue your two years of rest were two years of waking up. You just distilled it very, very well, because that is exactly what was happening. I was realizing that I was doing all of these things just because I, I was on autopilot and I was like, well, this is what I have to do. This is what life is. This is what my life is. This is, this is how I remain impressive. This is the only way that I can go forward without examining anything, really asking yourself is the life that I'm living. Is it working for me? Am I happy? Do I, do I want to keep doing this for the next five, 10, 15 years? Maybe yes. Maybe things are going great, or maybe there are just little things to tweak. And maybe it's this, you know, there's something underneath that we need to address. And if we don't, you're going to end up in a situation like me where you're like, can't even keep your eyes open. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sitting here wondering, okay, if I'm listening, if I'm sitting in on this conversation and any part of it is resonating with me, the next question I definitely have, I think is, okay, so what? Like, so what? I have kids, I have a job, I have this thing. I have these people I take care of, whatever, whatever is filling your plate. Where does one start? So if someone is listening and they're like, I don't get this, this girl is lazy, I'm fine. Then there's the answer is totally understandable. Live your life. Do you? It's amazing. That's great. <laughs> I'm really genuinely happy for you. If the and if what they're thinking is, I am so burnt out or I am so tired or I, I do want to do less, but I have all of these things, just like you said, I have I have obligations, I have kids, I have a family, I have I, you know, I have a mortgage. That's most people. That is honestly most people. And so I think the first step is genuinely just taking stock of why am I tired? Like, like everything seems like it should be fine and I should be doing great, but I'm not doing great. Why am I so tired? What are the ways that I'm an asshole to myself? What are the things that happened to me that I just had to keep charging through that I, that I didn't have the time to heal from that. I didn't have the time to process. What are the things that have depleted you over a really long period of time? And just start with giving yourself permission to be tired. Cause that is the that is the part that we don't even let ourselves feel because we feel like we can't, well, I don't have the time or I'm not allowed to, or this person has a way harder life than me. I should be fine. I should be able to, that was me. I was like, I'm not, I don't deserve this. Like my life is so easy from the outside. I don't deserve to feel tired. So I, I ignored it, you know, until I literally couldn't anymore. But the first step of taking stock really, like it's beginning to change that dialogue from, 
oh, come on, what's wrong with you? You're so ugly. You're so fat. You're so poor. You have so much to figure out. You're not allowed to relax. You have to do this. You have to do that. We have these, these scripts in our head that kind of just like keep us ignoring things because that's the culture we live in. So just breaking that cycle. And then the next step is what are the teeny tiny things? Can you make a list of all the things in your life that are currently depleting you? So that was kind of like, what are the things that have led you to this point? What are the things that you're doing in your life that are depleting you? You will not be able to stop doing all of those things, but there will be things on the list that you can stop doing. You can take a pause from, you can reassess, like have a different energy with the way that you do it, a different relationship, relationship with yourself, honestly, with the way that you like force yourself to do it or the way you talk to yourself about it. What are the, the little, even little tiny things that you can cross off your mental to-do list, your life to-do list, there will be things. And then there are things that unfortunately life is hard. We're humans. We have bills to pay. We can't stop doing everything. Some people can, but most people can't. And then the next step is, okay, how can I change my relationship with everything in my life? Honestly, like what I was talking about, like, how are you talking to yourself? What is the experience that you go through when you do give yourself a night off? How are you really relating to this whole rest thing? And then when people are like, well, I can't, I don't have the luxury of taking a weekend off. Do you let yourself take five minutes? Do you let yourself take 10 minutes? Honestly, most people don't. And it sounds too simple to do anything, but it, it is unbelievable. Like it is unbelievable. The, the amount that my nervous system even just can reset in 10 minutes. How often do we do that these days? How often are we not glued to our phones, getting notifications nonstop? It's the easiest meditation in the world. Cause you don't have to do anything. You don't have to think anything. You don't have to stop your thoughts. You don't have to just do anything. Breathe. You just breathe. You just be, <laughs> just be. When do we let ourselves just be never, you know? So it can be that little, it can be that small. And in fact, it probably should start out that small because otherwise it's going to be very disorienting. But exactly. if you can just, if you won't even let yourself take five minutes, we've got way bigger fish to fry. And, and most of us do, you know what I mean? So like you really can start there and it really, that can begin to open up. I really do believe that anyone can start with those things. Anyone. Caroline, I'm going to recommend that they start with tired as fuck, and I'm going to make sure that it's easy for them to do so. But before I let you go, please tell me, what is one thing you are loving right now that you want to share with the audience? Ooh, okay. I think I'm going to say that, and I will, I will link to this person and you, um, because I'm going to probably pronounce their name incorrectly, but I just talked to her for my podcast. The episode is not out yet and I'm so excited for it to come out, but her name is Sirut Chawla. She is an Indian born London based psychotherapist. And she has an amazing Instagram account. She's very, very anti-cancel culture, which is like, I see it as a very culty way of being. And we're kind of like all navigating it right now. But she uh, actually was involved in canceling someone else two years ago. And she had her own wake up where she was like, what am I doing? Like, what are we doing? And she's been speaking out about it ever since and then got canceled. And, you know, a huge list of people absolutely hate her and think she's horrible. And then more people are like, thank you for talking about this. She's just very no nonsense. Just it's a breath of fresh air to follow her. 
Okay. I'm super intrigued. I'll put it in the show notes, Caroline. You'll send that to me. Tell us now where to find you. You can find me. Oh my goodness. My relationship with Instagram is so dysfunctional. It's complicated. Can we do another show on that, please? <laughs> yes. We, I, this is my new frontier. Honestly, this is the next thing for me, but uh, for now I spend way too much time on Instagram. My handle is the fuck it diet. I'm on Instagram way too much. So you can find me there. I also just started a sub stack so that, and you can find that through my sites too, but Caroline duner.substack.com. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and links at onairella.com. There's no with. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.